Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. Um, it's just me, Evan, today. Thomas is out on a canoe trip. Lucky guy. But um, we'll be going over uh, kind of the ending of the first round of the NBA playoffs and then and then the beginning of the second. Um, start with the ending of the first. The Mavericks... Uh, lost to the Clippers in Game 7. Um, yesterday, we're recording this on a Monday. You'll be listening to it uh, on a Tuesday. Um, I found two big things to take away from that game. Uh, one of them is that if the Clippers' secondary tertiary, tertiary players do come out to play, they're going to win the finals. They're going to win the whole thing. I mean... We know Kawhi is going to be there every game. And he'll, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he gave a bit more effort on defense in the rounds coming up if necessary. And then, you know, you say what you want about Paul George, and he tends to play really, really poorly in uh, high pressure situations, but he'll still give you the 22. I mean, last night he gave them 22, 10, and 6 on, on decent efficiency. But to me, it's, and I'm the biggest Marcus Morris doubter. I don't think uh, he's just all that much of a third option. Um, and I'm not a Reggie Jackson guy either, although I am aware that both of them are capable of playing well. But you get Terrence Mann, you get Batum, who you know is going to give you what you want. You get Terrence Mann, Batum, Reggie Jackson, and Morris playing decently. The, the Clippers are a super scary team. And that's not to say that the Mavericks uh, were all that great yesterday. Um, Hardaway Jr. struggled, and the story of the playoffs, it felt like, was Porzingis's not even struggles, but lack of lack of really uh, boom or, or presence on offense. Uh, the Mavs really have to reevaluate what they're doing there, I think. Um, not because Porzingis is terrible, because one... He's. You never know when he's going to be healthy. Like I, I doubt he was fully healthy in this playoffs. I don't think he would have played all that much better if he was fully healthy. But I, I doubt he was fully healthy. But for the Mavericks, it's clear that uh, Doncic's prime is, is now. Um, I mean, his prime is going to be for a while. But he, whenever you get a kind of top five player, which Doncic seems like pretty clearly is, and the highest paid player on your team isn't him. It's the guy, it's the Latvian guy who's, who's scoring kind of 12 a game, but not only that 12, he's, that 12's not created by him. He's 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 posting up small guys and, and fading away from 14. He's not, he's not, he's not attacking. Um, that's a worry. That's a concern. So I think the Mavericks, they can stay put and the result will probably be similar next year. But I don't think they can waste Luca's prime, and, and they're not wasting it with this team. I don't believe. But um, I'd be curious to see where they go next year. So we get the Clippers and Jazz matchup, which if people are saying the East is much different from the West this year, I find. But if people are saying that the Bucks Nets 
is essentially the NBA Finals and at least the East Finals, which I do believe to be true. Clippers and Jazz very well may be the West version of the Finals. Um, Jazz played, I thought the Jazz played pretty well against Memphis. Uh, their offense and defense was clicking. The Jazz offense is, is underrated, I find. We tend to think about Gobert and and um, kind of even O'Neal Conley's a solid defender and and but they can they can play two different styles of ball: fast pace, slow pace. Um, I think their guards are going to really kill the Clippers between Clarkson, between Clarkson, Conley, Mitchell, and even you know you can really consider Ingles almost guard in a weird fashion, the way he handles the ball and distributes it. I think the Clippers could have a, t- a bit of a tough time really containing them. Like I, I think the reason the Clippers uh, kind of came back in this series was they were able to keep the Mavericks to a low score in a couple of the games. I mean, the Mavericks scored 97 points in Game 6. Um, they won in Game 5, but only scored 105 in, in Game 5. And they only scored 81 points in Game 4. I think the Clippers will have a tougher time doing that with the Mavericks. But like I said, I think if they can get the tertiary scoring from the Terrence Manns, the, which you shouldn't necessarily expect, but the tertiary scoring from the Marcus Morrises and the Reggie Jacksons, I think they can do it. So I have Clippers moving on there. Um, another... Interesting aspect you can kind of take away from that series, and it's a reason why I think I'm a bit more confident in the Clippers than than I am I was in the last series. Rather, so I find the Clippers really they struggle the most at not necessarily at end games, but at pivotal points when when there's kind of a crossroads and you can kind of tell well it's either it's either do or die, and the situations are super high pressure. Um, I think they'd struggle mightily against a team like the Nuggets, who look like they really, really, really want to play. They play for themselves. They play for the franchise. They play for the coaching. They really want to play basketball, it, it looks like. That's my biggest takeaway when the Nuggets are on the court. I think the Clippers struggle against teams like that. Um, the Jazz have players who have heart. Mitchell, obviously. Um, but they don't... They don't have, and it's not that they don't have the it factor. They have enough scoring, I think. It's it's that they don't have the real, real motivation. And I, I'm not judging their motivation. They don't have the spark of a of a kind of playoff team that can bring it all the way. That's kind of how I felt about the Bucks in years past. I feel slightly different about them this year. Um, that's me with the Jazz. I think... Go bear in, in, in big situations and big games I, I haven't seen him play that well. Um, and I think I, I think that, that bodes well for the Clippers is, is, is what I'm saying. I'm sure it will go to seven or six. And I'm sure the Jazz can win, but I have the Clippers on that one. Second series in the West, which is probably the least interesting series left in the playoffs out of the four series, Nuggets-Suns. I'm all in on the Nuggets, personally. Like, I, I, I don't, I think they'll have a super tough time winning this series. I, I don't think they will win. But 
I think they're my, oddly in a weird way, the favorite team, my favorite team to watch in the playoffs. Because like I was just saying before, and which would be a reason I think they'd kind of give up a better fight to the Clippers, the Nuggets really, really look like they want to play. They want to. They look like they want to just keep on playing basketball until they can and until they can't. Um, I think that's going to be a really good series, especially because the Suns. The Suns seem pretty motivated as well. Um, I don't know how the Suns are going to slow down Jokic. Aiton's a good defender, but um, I mean, no team has been able to do slow down Jokic. I, I think it's again a situation of. Are the Suns going to be able to score more than the Nuggets in seven games? I think so. The Suns are just too talented from from deep. But and I'm not I'm not calling Portland and Phoenix similar. Phoenix is way more well rounded, especially on the defensive end, and they're probably a bit of a better shooter team shooting team overall as well. But I mean, the Nuggets put up fight from tough guards already. They you know they've defended big like like uh, quantity scoring guards. I think if I'm the Nuggets, I'm not that worried about Booker and Paul dropping a combined fifty. I think they really got to keep the Crowder, the Bridges. You got to block them off from hitting threes and and almost let um, Booker as dangerous as says uh, Booker and Paul go to work. I think the Nuggets can have a decent chance. I think they they'll probably be overwhelmed if if everyone starts contributing. But I think I think the Nuggets. I trust Mike Malone will have a good game plan going in. Um, I trust the Nuggets to make this a series, and I know people have kind of been putting them to the side. I loved watching them against Portland. Uh, I think they can continue fighting. And again, unrealistic to say that they'll win this series when you turn on the television and see that both Austin Rivers and Composo are their starting guards, um, you don't get all that much confidence. But Will Barton hopefully will return in this series for them. I think they have a chance. If not, they'll. I would be surprised if they didn't take it to at least six, knowing them and the way they play. Moving to the East... Uh, like I said before, we got the we got the potential NBA Finals. I thought the Bucks really, really them not winning last game is going to really, really bite them. Um, Harden's going to be injured for Game Two, which is happening tonight. The Bucks. This is a must win for the Bucks. Uh, if they don't win this, then I don't I don't know where they're going. I didn't necessarily lose all that much confidence in the Bucks because they lost the first game, but it was a really, really great time for anti-Middleton people to be alive. I feel like we always say Chris Middleton is underrated, which is actually true. And the funny part is the flip side of that is that when he does have a bad game, he had 13 points. Which you just can't. He he needs to have more against the Nets, considering their offense. No one talks about it. So, I think if Middleton can play how he played in Miami, I, I still like against Miami. I still like the Bucks. 
Um, but again, like the Nets are just so good. Uh, Blake Griffin, I think, played the best I've seen him play in the past two years. Um, side note: watching Mike James play is awesome. I think he's he's got some of the most uh, like he's got my kind of favorite type of style of playing. His layup packages, dribbling. Um, all that. Not that the Nets necessarily needed another scoring guard, but it's, I, I mean, with Harden out, it, it does help. Um, I don't think, we saw Blake Griffin guard Giannis quite well. I don't think that can, can continue going forward. I, I just, I don't know how, I mean, Giannis scored 34, so he still performed well, but we saw Griffin really do better than I thought. Um, I don't know how and I know Griffin's a capable player. I just don't know how that continues. So I think I think the Bucks will get more open threes going forward, and I think they'll hit more open threes going forward. Um, but again, if the Nets could win without Harden in Game One, and it was only a eight point deficit, a eight point um, difference at the end of the game, but it felt like the Nets kind of handedly won that. So if they can come out and play even close to as they do in game two, and hypothetically the Bucks don't have a good shooting night, even if the Bucks pull this one out, Brooklyn's got to be mighty confident. Uh, I'll leave that series there, and I'll go over to the Hawks 76ers who also played yesterday, which I, I really... I think Philadelphia has an underrated basketball fan base. I really enjoy watching games uh, at their arena. I think the Hawks are not that they're the team no one's talking about, as in they're this huge underdog, but I mean, no one's really talking about them. I think we keep on saying it, we keep on bringing it up, but coaching matters in the playoffs, and, and the Nate McMillan versus Doc Rivers. Um, kind of difference in coaching was apparent to me. Um, I thought Doc Rivers Doc Rivers was bringing in these all-bench lineups during the regular season uh, between Dwight Howard, George Hill, uh, Korkmaz, Maxi, and, and Tybal. He's Tybal. And that was understandable. Because, I mean, Embiid's a guy who gets in foul trouble, and he's on the bench a lot. Um, and then, I mean, you want guys kind of like Seth Curry, Danny Green out there with Embiid and Simmons. So it's kind of, it's tough to play the minutes right all the time. But Doc's decision, this is the playoffs. Doc's, deci Doc's decision to play all the bench guys in the second quarter, I, I legitimately believe lost them the game. The deficit, the run Atlanta went on during that point was pretty egregious. And, like, the Phillies players all, like, when their starters were in, like, they immediately started cutting down. It was just too little too late. The The gap was too big. Uh, by the time Doc realized, hey, maybe playing all five of my bench guys on the same time, at the same time in a playoff game isn't the best idea. Um, like, Embiid was a plus 13, plus minus. Seth Curry was plus 16. Flip of that, George Hill was minus 17. Howard was minus 15. Um, Doc Rivers, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. 
he's not a good coach. He's definitely, definitely, definitely not a bad coach. He's led, I feel like it's now like three, four teams to the one seed, but he doesn't, like, his rotations don't make sense sometimes, and he's not this in-game adjuster. I've never seen a coach have more talent who's maybe not done that much with it. Obviously, they won a championship in Boston. That team was amazing. And I think they could have won, uh, you know, definitely another championship, but could have been a bit more competitive later in their years, if not for Doc. The Clippers, it seemed like they had a curse on them. But not making it to the conference finals with Chris Paul, Blake, and DeAndre, and uh, DeAndre's not all that much, but they had a good benches all those years between between Lou and and Jamal Crawford, or really, Lou wasn't on the team at that point, between J- Jamal Crawford and, and some other guys. That's like, I think that's pretty significant too. And I know Chris Paul was, was got injured those years as well, but like, it felt like he had that team for a super long time and didn't make the final, the even the conference finals once. That's significant to me. Um, he had Kawhi, Paul George... Uh, Etc. Last year, and the bubble clearly just wasn't wasn't their place. But again, not making it out of the second round is, is to the Nuggets blowing a three-one lead. I mean, that's got to be partially coaching. And I don't think Philadelphia is better than the Bucks or Nets, but they sure are better than the Hawks. I think Philly wins the series. I think. Embiid and Simmons almost Simmons is at the a weird point where he gets underrated because he just can't shoot. It's something he can't do, and people like harping on it. But like Philly, like between those two guys, they should have no trouble beating the Hawks. And the Hawks are super confident. Like it, it's going to be a series, and I think I think Doc's coaching. It it's. It seems just middle of the road. It seems that there's nothing wrong with it. But when you have, I mean, I think I think we've talked about it all playoffs, and there's a reason we I, we think Thompson. I think the Nuggets have, and and Hawks have had so much success. Um, coaching matters. Coaching matters. Um, rounding out some other interesting NBA news, the Lakers aren't even worth talking about that that fall I'm not gonna I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy to be honest I, I'm not a huge fan of his but I do think the idea of seeing what could potentially be the best or second best player of all time um I grew up with him I, I like when he succeeds because it's like it's it's almost history to me 30 years from now I know saying like watching having watched LeBron's career will be like a pretty cool facet of my basketball enjoyment. Um, I'm used to LeBron having a bad attitude. That's nothing new. I'm used to LeBron pouting on the bench. That's nothing new. I'm used to LeBron ignoring his teammates and, and giving up on defense on certain plays. That's not, not that's nothing new. However, I'm not used to LeBron looking like he didn't want to be there in the playoffs. I was super disappointed in the last two games, and LeBron didn't play poorly, and I know he was injured. I'm I'm sure of that. And saying, "Oh, give me 
give me, you know, the 40 shot a game LeBron that drives the rim every single play. I know, I understand that's probably not there, even though it was there in Cleveland, it feels like, three years ago, and he's been through two major injuries since. But he really did not look like he wanted to be out there on the court, playing with KCP, Schroeder. Like, the other guys were giving their all effort. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. That bothered me. Because um, he took it a step further from the, I don't I don't want to be playing with these guys, and what, are, like, what does my coach know? The Lakers are going to have an interesting offseason. Schroeder's Schroeder's gonna Schroeder's gonna cut. I think that's I think that's obvious. I think I think the Knicks will probably give him a contract a bit too large for him. But um, they got decisions to make with with big men. Like I didn't think they played Harold nearly enough against Phoenix when one of the things they really needed all series, in my opinion, was energy. They totally went away from him. Um, you've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it right now again. Andre Drummond is a nothing player. He he just doesn't help you in the playoffs. He 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 won't. He he'll he will not be on the team next year. Like additionally of that, like Gasol, you can't rely on him to do anything next year. And Kuzma really hasn't taken a leap. You're at the point where you know where he is. So. Between guys, between Montrezl Harrell, and I'll add Markeith Morris to the list. Between Montrezl Harrell, Markeith Morris, Wesley Matthews, uh, KCP's under contract. He's staying. I like KCP too. Schroeder, Gasol. Those guys may not be on the team next year. I don't know where the Lakers go. They're not in a good salary place. They do have... Uh, they don't have draft picks. Excuse me. That's where, that's where Anthony Davis went. Um, I don't know where the Lakers go. I'm not saying Washington King, and I'm not saying the Lakers are done. They're just not. LeBron and AD will be back. Um, but I don't know where the Lakers go. I think that will be an interesting, an interesting little part of the off season. Um, in an off season that wasn't supposed to be that hype. I think. The Lakers moves could be interesting. Um, moving on to the next sort of interesting development was was Danny Ainge uh, being ousted as the GM and Brad Stevens moving up to the executive role. I feel conflicted about this, partially because I think Stevens is a great tactician, an amazing coach, and I think anyone who watched the Boston-Toronto series last year could tell, could tell that. But he clearly doesn't get enough of his players on a personal basis. Um, it does not look like any of his players play for him. I think they all appreciate his mind, his basketball mind. But he's no... His players... And you want this with a young team. I mean, I mean, we know Kawhi, you know... Kawhi's playing for himself. He, he doesn't need a coach to really spark him. But for guys like Tatum and Brown and, and, and you know, even Smart, I think, I think having a guy who they really backed would have, would have helped them a bit. And, and it didn't seem like they totally backed Stevens, even though, like, there was clearly a mutual respect. So 
I feel kind of conflicted about Stevens moving on from their head coaching position. Now, moving him up to the GM position, I think, I'm not going to say that's smart, but I'm, I, I totally understand why, whenever you have such a basketball mind, which, which Stevens is in your kind of franchise, you don't want to get rid of him. Um, you want to keep him. The Ainge firing, well, they say Danny Ainge was retired. I don't know where he'll go next. I think he'll be serving some advisory role to Boston's ownership group or something like that. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. And I'm not sure who Boston will hire as their head coach. That's not a concern of mine. But it's interesting to see Ainge get pushed out. I mean, the way I kind of... I still see Ainge... I see him in the light of the guy who traded down to three to pick Tatum when Markel Fultz went one and Lonzo Ball went two. That move and pick, I don't know if you can do all things considered between evaluating talent, the upside and the downside, evaluating a draft's, a certain draft pick's value and evaluating your team's needs. Um, I don't think you can make a better move than that. I don't know how it would be possible um, unless if somehow Tatum was looping. But like letting Kyrie and even Hayward go, and the Hayward probably didn't work with their offense, and I understand that. But letting those two go and, you know, keeping kind of like a Kemba and then missing out on Miles Turner and kind of refusing to get a big man when everyone watching knew knew they needed one that's that's like it's a bad mistake um so i think ainge was reaching the end regardless so i don't i don't mind the i don't mind the um his move but it feels weird having someone who built such a good roster and had so many like you think of the players who's come through boston in the past five years who's ainge who's either drafted Required through a trade of free agency, Marcus Morris, to, just in terms of finding talent, even like I'd, I'd add like a so Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, uh, Brown, Tatum, Smart, Kemba, Kyrie, Hayward. Um, I'm not going to sit here thinking more, but I'm there's probably a couple decent ones. That's a lot of talent that's gone through Boston in however many of the past years. Um, to do nothing with it, uh, eyebrow, like I said, deserves to be raised at Brad Stevens, but it almost feels weird that a guy who can acquire that much talent won't be a GM going forward. Uh, anyways, I'm excited for the second round. Uh, I hope you are too. Um, yeah, that was all for today. Signing off. Uh, you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hey, we're, we're Paragon Cause, and you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. 
On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.